concerned with Moolah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it Or what to do with it or how to keep it You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret But you're not the only one Teacher hidden financial fears with a blast of sun Now your healing has begun It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn and this is Bad With Money. I hope you know that by now. You clicked on it. Or maybe you just let it play. You're you're a rogue. You're rogue with your podcast playlist. <laughs> okay, so we've talked a lot about buying the best version of yourself this season, but now we're going to talk about being sold a better you. I'm sure you've noticed brands on TV, on Instagram, in your inbox, changing their language to sell us products in this, you guessed it, trying time. Or how a lot of companies are promoting contactless delivery or uh, a lot of um, anti-anxiety stuff being sold, particularly at this time. Uh, And the language of ads is noticeably different. So who can we talk to about language? Well, guess what? If you're a fan of Just Between Us, which is uh, my other podcast, then you already know Amanda Montel, who is a linguist, because we had her on to talk about language and gender. But Amanda has also worked in the health and wellness industry. And so I wanted to have her on to talk to her about how the language and wording of ads in this time of coronavirus is being used to either scam us or sell us products that we don't need or that are actively harmful. Things that promise to keep our immune system safe from coronavirus, things that promise to boost our wellness, things that promise to almost like like make it so that we are unable to contract this very contagious disease. So I wanted to have Amanda on uh, because she is someone that can speak directly to how we are being sold the perfect body that will definitely not get COVID. But if it does get COVID, will absolutely survive. And if you don't do these things, you're asking to get sick. So let's talk to Amanda now. Okay. Um, So can you obviously you were on JBU, but can you tell my audience who you are and what you do for Bad With Money? So my name is Amanda Montel, and I am a writer and a linguist, and I published a book last year called Word Slut, A Feminist Guide to Taking Back the English Language, um, which is this, you know, fun, empowering, quick and dirty crash course in language and gender. And um, I used to be a beauty and wellness editor, um, Mm -hmm. which is just like this whole other life that I used to lead and still do dabble in on a freelance basis. Um, But then I'm also what what I was so excited about um, and why I felt so connected to this topic was because right now I'm writing this new book about the language of cults from Scientology to Soul Cycle. Right, um, I remember. Yeah, and so I'm I'm dabbling in the world of you know, quote unquote, cult fitness and cult wellness. And um, I have so much to say about it because obviously living in Los Angeles, we are surrounded by this stuff on a, mm-hmm. a day-to-day basis. And as a beauty and wellness editor, I attended, you know, I begrudgingly attended so many like really woo-woo, um, mm-hmm. you know, like moon circles and um, fitness classes that felt like, you know, evangelical tent revivals in there. Um, And now, 
what's so fun about um, writing about the the cult of fitness and the cult of wellness is that um, I'm I'm getting to really contextualize that for readers, but also for myself. Um, and it's been super fascinating. Yeah, so we were talking a little bit because obviously we we started this season, planning this season to be about wellness and selling wellness and buying wellness and buying perfection. And then um, the coronavirus happened. And so it's shifted, obviously, the the scope of what we're covering. And, um, you know, I was just talking to my producer about how there's uh, every commercial now is like in these trying times, you will, you know, and also the sell. And so not just that in terms of selling, but also um, selling wellness, like take silver pills or uh, here's how you can get enough vitamin C to not get covid or things like that. Scams. I'm like obsessed with like the the scams right now that people are doing in order to sell to people who are scared of coronavirus. Like I, I'm. I look at those nonstop because I just can't believe the audacity of people. But so, okay. So when the economy isn't doing great, obviously capitalism is alive and well. So can you talk about how companies have changed their approach to selling us these kinds of products? Sure. Um, So obviously, you know, this, this topic is changing all the time because of COVID-19, but basically wellness has come to be sort of a religion for people. Um, our, our sites of community and spirituality are really being defined right now. Um, and that's largely due to, you know, huge sweeping factors like widespread mistrust of the government and the medical institution and, you know, a, a pretty swift, um, you know, exodus away from mainstream religion and churches. Um, so people, you know, they aren't trusting the medical establishment as much. They aren't going to the churches they were brought up in. But wellness is more important to millennials than any previous generation. You know, I, I read a stat that well-being is, you know, the second priority to to millennials only behind family. Um, and, and millennials are still very interested in the spiritual. It's just they're not seeking it at church. Um, and, you know, places like these woo-woo wellness circles that I just dragged, um, but also places like SoulCycle and CrossFit, they're really providing people kind of this like pastoral experience where you have your instructor who's like your guru, your pastor, if not your prophet. Um, and you're really experiencing this moment of surrender when you enter these spaces where you're able to actually connect to folks in person. Um, and now obviously that's changing a little bit because of, or a lot right. because of COVID. Um, but people are really finding spirituality and community in new ways um, because of wellness. And this this can be a beautiful thing in some contexts, but it can also get really scammy and really culty. And um, I tend to focus on, on the language piece of it and how um, language works to create community and instill ideology and um, convince people of things that might not always be true. Um, mm -hmm. But if you if you look at the vocabulary of the wellness industry, you know, words like cleanse, detox, purify, obedience, discipline, perfection, you know, th these are words that we hear in the context of exercise and health all the time, but they also have this really strong capitalist Protestant 
charge. And so people who are like hyper obsessed with detoxing and disciplining their bodies can become, you know, more suggestible to the idea that achieving like perfect wellness connects not just with their physical bodies, but with their very worth and character, you know, after all like fitness, wellness, it, it has become a religion for them. And they, and they put so much trust and faith into their gurus, whether it's, um, you know, an in-person, uh, instructor or an online influencer. Um, and so then, you know, speaking of that with so many different social media platforms, like if you find yourself searching keywords like cleanse and detox or anti-anxiety or anti-viral enough, like you'll create this digital footprint that'll make you more vulnerable to potentially scammy brands that are going to like target you and retarget you and figure out who you are and then market their like life-saving, you know, quick fix quackery um, falsely promised to. There's this quote that the uh, former CMO of the now very controversial yoga company core power once said where she was like um you know you're gonna get inner peace and flat abs in an hour and that's like yeah and it's like sheer hyperbole but it's like it's blending you know these physical standards it's like flat tummy these six-pack abs with these spiritual standards like you're gonna get inner peace and flat abs in an hour that that sounds like a hyperbolic statement it sounds like a metaphor but people are are really believing it and buying into it. Um, and that has to do with anxiety, but also with optimism. And something that I've um, really learned researching cults is that a through line that you see, this really consistent um, this this consistent factor that you see from, from person to person, people who join cults as destructive as Scientology or as you know seemingly innocent as following a wellness influencer, what you see from time to time is not like mental illness or desperation. It's really idealism, like the idea that there really is a magic bullet, this like quick fix solve for your anxiety, your illness, whatever it is. So you know, when repeated like day after day after day, this powerful language of like purification and discipline um, sort of conditions listeners into believing that like perfect wellness is possible as yeah. long as they put all of their faith into this product or this brand. Um, and that mentality can make them likelier to get involved and stay involved with um, like a, a wellness scam or um, at worst an exploitative group. Well, how how much does it it also dovetail with this idea that you are able to buy perfection? Because yeah. you could sit and meditate for free and receive uh, peace of mind or you can uh, go running and also, you know, get like stronger and healthier. But but what you're talking about is like as this idea that it is for purchase. Right. Well, so the other thing is that studies have been conducted showing that at least for fitness, if you exercise in a group, um, that's going to create a more motivating atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Your endorphins will surge even more powerfully. And so there is something to the idea that like if you pay for a group fitness class, you will get more out of it. And those benefits, again, they're not just physical. They're also spiritual and ideological and have to do with community and solidarity and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's capitalism. Like it all right. goes back to like Protestant capitalism and also like the – there's just okay, so I want there. I have so much I want to say. I like, don't even know where to begin. <laughs> say all of it. Say all of it. But like, some of the first, like, COVID era scammers, wellness scammers that I saw 
were multi-level marketing salespeople um, who, you know, this this COVID pandemic is just catnip for them because their whole um, their whole pitch about how like you know, screw bureaucracy, like screw big corporations, embrace your individualism, believe in yourself, be your own hashtag girl boss, be your own boss, babe, and make seven figures working from home. Like this is the perfect time for them to capitalize on that and really drive that message home because people are filing for unemployment like crazy, losing their jobs. People are working from home. And so even though these multi-level marketing groups are like the biggest scam ever, um, Mm -hmm people are are really driving that point home and then you know the worst of it i saw was that there were there were a few and a lot of multi-level marketing companies hawk wellness goods so essential oils and dietary supplements etc and there were a few groups that um the ftc has has taken notice of because they were um promoting their multi-level marketing merchandise which is always like so crappy and gross like skincare that smells like formaldehyde and whatever right. like there were a couple of these groups that were promoting their products as um as like covid-19 treatments so like mm-hmm. one of them was Dutera if you've heard of that um essential oils MLM um there were uh yeah the there were the FTC has targeted Dutera as one of these brands that's not only saying things and I have a, I have a quote from the FTC website not only are they saying things like need to make extra money find it difficult to pay your bills were you laid off hashtag fired be your own boss with Dutera essential oils message me to achieve financial independence hashtag oh laid off hashtag unemployed hashtag can't pay my bills hashtag can't pay my rent hashtag student hashtag sales hashtag side hustle hashtag make money hashtag stay at home mom but also they're claiming that their essential oils have these like antiviral antibacterial properties that are going to keep you healthy in the age of COVID-19 and like it's not only overtly dishonest misleading MLMs that are hawking this stuff it's like you know ostensibly like well-meaning brands that are like just trying to survive during these quote-unquote tough times and they are tough times but people are really exploiting that phrase I feel yeah Um, yeah but like you know I I saw a stat that um essential oils sales are skyrocketing right now because people hear language like aroma therapy or even just the phrase essential Mm -hmm. and they figure like this is something that I can do to take my health into my own hands and by the way like self-care and taking your your physical health into your own hands is something that communities of color have have had to do for for decades and decades and decades Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. people who felt largely ignored by the medical establishment who felt like their bodies um and their words were not taken seriously by the medical establishment that's something that you know black folks have had to do forever and now Mm -hmm. like white folks are are adopting that same you know a similar level of mistrust of the institution and so now we have hashtag self-care um which is like a co-opted concept but yeah so like people you know will hear that essential and essential oils or hear that therapy and aromatherapy and think like this is something that I can do for myself Mm -hmm. to you know get those antiviral antibacterial properties but actually the the essential and essential oils means that that oil contains the essence of the plant's 
fragrance, not yes. that it in any way is essential for, you know, existence or survival of a living organism. So I think that's kind of misleading. Um, but yeah, even brands that are like ostensibly pretty well-meaning um, are, you know, doing whatever they can to thrive. Um, but then, of course, there are like the wellness influencers that are like, you know, taking this opportunity to sell their like flat tummy tea and whatever. Right. Like, it's crazy. All right, we've got a lot more to dig into, but we've got to take a quick break first. We'll be right back. And we're back. The language has changed because instead of being like, like I see ads where I know that they were clearly made before uh, COVID because it'll be like, go out to the beach with your friends and drink this beer or whatever. And then and then you'll see like ones where it's like Taco Bell being like contactless delivery or whatever. So like how has the language sort of changed? And it happens so fast. Oh, my God. Okay, so what I can speak to anecdotally, having worked in the beauty and wellness space is um, the beauty and wellness industries are exquisite at picking up on like these subtle language changes as quickly as they're happening, as soon as they crop up in the culture Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're ahead of the trends, that they're evolving with our incredibly fast-paced market so that they can survive and so that they won't get canceled, essentially. (laughs) So like when I was working at the beauty magazine where I was working, um, we would have meetings like as often as once a week where we would get called in by this very poised blonde woman with like her her Botox and her low chignon. And she would give us these like brand awareness, language awareness speeches where she would be like, okay, you know, we're not using anti-aging anymore. That word is out. It's on the out. If we're using this word this week, we're going to get canceled. We're going to get, you know, clocked as ageist. You know, now we're going to be using youth inducing. Come up with a euphemism for anti-aging. Of course, we're selling the same products. We're we're still shilling, you know, we're still promoting retinols and eye creams and things, mm-hmm. but now our language is changing so that we can kind of pivot and remain, you know, be seen as this empowering brand instead mm-hmm. of um, one that's that's promoting like fucked up standards, even though the standards are actually the same. Um, right. And I remember like when anxiety became like a very mainstream thing that brands were capitalizing on, like five years ago or something, we all got called into a meeting and we were like, and, and the boss was like, anxiety is a big thing now. Anxiety <laughs> is hot. Like, we need to start talking about anti-stress, anti-anxiety, regardless of whether the product was actually proven to help with stress or anxiety. It's just we need to be using this language because this is buzzy and people are searching for this stuff. And, like, it's not entirely editorial brands faults because there is so little FDA regulation when it comes to wellness supplements, skincare ingredients, you know, like CBD had the biggest moment of like any ingredient that I've ever seen a year or two ago. It's, it's Mm -hmm. still going strong, but like nobody's regulating CBD. And there are like these horrifying studies that come out or reports that come out about how like the hemp plants that CBD is being harvested from are actually like farms where people are like using pesticides and and just like horrible shit. And 
the even some of the brands themselves who are really well-meaning and want to create an anti-anxiety product for their consumers don't even themselves know where their ingredients are being sourced from. So mm-hmm. all of that is to say that the beauty and wellness industries are very good at picking. They have like social media like yeah. narcs who are just like on Instagram and TikTok and whatever the fuck all the time seeing like how language is evolving so that they can be the first to adapt that more quote unquote like woke or politically correct yeah. euphemism. I mean, so what so what have you been seeing in regards to that even anecdotally with the pandemic? I think that that phrase of like in these trying times, mm-hmm. I know that that does not necessarily like have to do with wellness, but everybody it's almost like one of those Phatic expressions. A phatic mm-hmm. expression is like a, a phrase that we use not to communicate real information, but to just it's it's a, a pleasantry essentially. It's like a phrase that we use just for like social softening, just to communicate that we're like a normal person who knows how to be in the world. I remember there was like some funny New Yorker shouts and murmurs article the other month or something that was this does have to do with wellness, talking about how if you don't start or end an email with hope you're well or like be well the receiver or the recipient is gonna think that you're like incredibly cold (laughs) and unfeeling so it's like (sighs) you know now we're all starting our emails with, with like in these trying times or like hope you're staying safe and healthy and like they've kind of almost lost their meaning at this point um and so i've seen um um alone together Oh my god! Or like, or like, safe at safe at home. Or right, like if you buy if you buy this, uh, it will help you de stress because of the pandemic. Or if you buy this, if it's like if you buy this, you are helping us be alone together because it will get delivered to your house or something. Right, and you can't like deny that because it's just vague enough that it could be Mm -hmm. true you know like everybody everybody has to come up with like a hashtag to brand the coronavirus in a way that will Mm -hmm. benefit them but I have come across some um some wellness influencers who have been capitalizing on it so like there's a quote that um I saw was published by this wellness influencer who was like vacationing in the French Alps in early March when everything um, started crumbling. Um, and her name is Ingrid de la Mer Kenny, if we want to start naming names. Love but it. She, um, she posted um, this, you know, very glamorous photo of herself. And she said, I can't keep posting about health and flat tummies and ignore the pink elephant in the room. <laughs> so cute. The coronavirus. It's just this pink <laughs> elephant. Um, coronavirus is not a gimmick. It's happening. And you need to be educated about your immune system to avoid falling victim to it. And then she recommended that her followers try Simply Inulin, a dietary supplement that she sells on her website for like $30 or something like that. Your um, immune si- even your immune system is a buzzword. Absolutely. Immunity boosting, um yeah. antiviral, antibacterial, anti-anxiety. Um these are words that again, they're just sort of vague and pseudoscientific enough and, you know, unregulated enough and mainstream vernacular enough that you can get away with using them in a sort of mm-hmm. quackery filled context um and there are there are uh, there are other of these posts too there was some like former bachelor contestant um with like six six hundred thousand followers on instagram or something like that who um 
posted a video like a bunch of weeks ago reciting some unsubstantiated claim about the links between, you know, processed foods, inflammation, and COVID-19. And then Stop. she plugged her she plugged her body detox program, which, you know, is incredibly expensive. Detox. Okay, that's another one. That's another really good one. Um, you know, like a few years ago, everybody was talking about weight loss. Mm-hmm. And then I was we were brought into a meeting when I was still working at that beauty and wellness company, and they were like, We're not using the word weight loss anymore. We're using right. detox. Mm-hmm. But like a crash diet and a 24-hour detox, and that was the language that we were taught to use, they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they are bullshit. And they are not healthy for you. Cleanse. Yeah. That's another word that we were taught to use. It's like we're not we're not allowed to say, you know, flatten your tummy. We're allowed to say cleanse now. Here's the thing. I think this is so we've talked about this in in this season a lot is that it's about control. It's about the the idea of like buying control, buying peace of mind, thinking that because you have the money to spend on these products, you will survive COVID. Like you, because you are doing all of these things, you couldn't possibly contract it. There's right. no way. And right. even and if you do, it's okay because your body will be strong enough because you did all of these things and paid for all of these things. You will be able to fight it off better than other people. There's this like constant too, like when you see like obituaries for people who have passed away, every comment underneath is, um, well, what underlying condition did they have? Right. Right. Did they exercise? Did they do this? Did they do that? And I and in prior episodes of of this show, uh, like seasons ago, we had a friend of mine on who had testicular cancer. And he said, you know, when I got it, I was in my 30s and I was running marathons. And he's like, but you know what? Why do I have to say that every time? Yeah. Like, why do I have to every single time? be like, and I was a great weight at the time. And I was, you know, not a smoker and whatever. Like he's like, and so I feel like it's that where it's like someone dies and people feel so out of control that they want to be like, no, but I bought all of these things. Or even like, even like the person passes away and the, the subconscious is, well, they were poor. Yeah. Like they, they died because they were poor, but I won't die because I'm not poor. And I bought these things. Right. So, yeah, all of that stuff has to do with, like, confirmation bias. Like, we're just going to look to – and this is sort of, like, social economics, you know? Like, we're going to look to – we're going to basically approach a scenario weighing all the options in our mind and weighing like the probability in our mind. Um, But like the thing that we're most likely to want to believe, we're going to find the little nugget of support in whatever we're reading or whatever factoid um, is in front of us that confirms that bias that we already have. And there's all this also reminds me of like, well, it reminds me of two things. There are the economics of gullibility, which I can talk about, which are like really interesting. Um, Okay, so let me pull this up. So I was I was talking about MLMs for the new book that I'm writing um, to to this woman, um, this economist named Stacey Bosley. And I was just like, why? Like, why does the language of like quack wellness, which immediately sends off scam alarms in my brain. Why does that language feel so compelling to other people? Mm -hmm. And like, why do other people buy it all of the sudden? Um, Or like, why are is some people's instinct to like buy it? And why is my instinct to be like, that's a scam? And um, 
so basically like I need I need to like refresh my mind because it's I like haven't talked about this in a second but basically there's like there are these two systems of thought processes and and logic and there's system one thought processing and system two thought processing and um system one thought processing is really old and has you know goes back to like ancient humans um and it's a way of making snap decisions that don't require a lot of like deliberating and slow analysis and this was like this evolved from a time when ancient humans basically just lived their lives surrounded by small groups of people that they knew really well Mm -hmm. and they they trusted them and there wasn't the need for like long labored deliberation when they would hear a piece of information because it was just coming from like their mom from someone they they trusted but then this system two processing um, developed much later as the world became globalized and as, you know, and obviously now we have like fake news and you can get, you know, any information that you would want or need on the internet communicated to you anonymously by a stranger. Um, and that has caused, you know, this careful, you know, slower deliberation to be really necessary. Um, and basically some people come to a snap system one decision um about a scam um Mm. too quickly that confirms the optimistic belief that they already hold about you know how that thing might be true and there are some you know proposed theories about why some people are just like more naturally willing to make a more optimistic snap decision than others i think it's also like for me at times it's like couldn't hurt Because I have, I'm thinking like as you're talking, I have migraines. I have very bad migraines. Mm -hmm. And I would do almost anything to not have them. And I have a prescription medication that I take. But I also just bought, because my friend posted about it, uh, I just bought like an ice helmet, like a, a migraine helmet, basically. And my thought when I bought it was like, couldn't hurt. Like the migraine is already so bad that like, I'm sh- whatever this does couldn't possibly be worse than the migraine. Sure. And you're like automatically weighing the cost benefit. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, how much is this migraine ice pack? It's whatever it costs. You're not like forking over $5,000 like an MLM scam would require right. of you. You know, like the 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 potential consequences are really small. Like you're you're not going to like suffer that much more than you already are if like the ice thing doesn't work. But then like there are these other factors that contribute to someone's um, you know, penchant for gullibility. So like it has a lot to do with your upbringing. Um, you know, if you were um exposed to experiences in your early childhood that damaged your trust, you mm-hmm. might be less gullible. Um and the other interesting thing was if you're um if you're in a bad mood, you're less gullible and you're less likely to fall for certain things. So if I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see an ad for some whatever, I don't know why Uh I'm dragging essential oils so hard right now, but like (laughs) if I see some ad for essential oils and I'm in a really good mood, I think like, I might think, oh, that sounds great. You know what? I'm gonna Mm -hmm. gonna go for it. I'm gonna buy that lavender essential oil and try that out tonight. But if I'm in a bad mood, I'm more likely to, to do more of a system two thought process and be like, you know what? That sounds like bullshit. I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at like three different sources. That sounds, that sounds dumb. I'm not gonna do that. Also, um, 
being, you know, having more education and exposure to the scientific method and things like that are going to make you less gullible. Um, I think if you're alone, and this might have to do with with dovetail with like quarantine and isolation, if I'm alone, I'm less likely to buy something than if I'm with someone. Like my sister will goad me. Like if I'm alone, I'm like, no, no, no. But then like when she was just over and I had like an Instagram ad for um, this is going to reveal a lot of what I look at on Instagram, but uh, um, SpongeBob themed bathing suits and they and it popped up and she and I were like and I was like, shy, what if I get a SpongeBob one and you get a Patrick one and we wear them together? And she was like, yes. And then I pulled it up and I was like, I'll do it later. And then as soon as she went home, I was like, what? Don't buy that. I know. The peer pressure thing is so real. It's I mean, it's more fun to do things in groups. Yeah. It's it's like magical to do things in groups. You like get that endorphin rush of um of community. Like that's another thing. Now that why we're all alone, exist. maybe we're not but I don't know. Also, we're also like depressed and bored. So like I know people have been buying a lot of makeup. Oh like, I've yeah. seen that. Oh, here's a fun fact. Um the during World War II, lipstick sk- wow, why is that so difficult to say? <laughs> lipstick sales skyrocketed in an unprecedented way because it was like an affordable luxury that mm-hmm. women could buy to feel better about themselves. Um, you know, again, spending five thousand dollars on something or whatever the equivalent of that would be in 1942 would mm-hmm. be too much, but spending, you know. $12 on a lipstick was a way to to just like instantly and easily feel a little bit better. Um yeah, there's not when it comes to makeup, there's there's not as much scamming going on because it's like what you see is what you get. Like it's fucking makeup. Yeah. Um but with things that you're putting on your skin or ingesting, um, especially things that are it also has to has a lot to do with what's being promised. So like you know makeup, the promise is never that it's going to uh, not never. I mean this, there's, there are these like organizational ideologies that brands align with now where like, you know, millennials don't want to just buy a beach towel that's a beach towel. They want to buy a beach towel that is made from, you know, recycled plastic and where 10% of the proceeds go to heal the bay because they want to feel like they are a contemporary, ethical, cool, sporty you know, politically correct person because of this beach towel, which is, of course, like a lot of pressure to put on a beach towel. But <laughs> yeah, that's what brands do these days. Um, But like some brands are going to do it more aggressively than others. And, you know, some wellness brands like the promises they're making are so extreme. It, it is that like magic bullet quick fix concept where it's like by buying this CBD supplement, your anxiety is going to be cured. You're going to be seen as a spiritual person. You're going to be seen as very contemporary and with it and on trend. You know, you're going to be seen as like all these different things, but it's just like a bottle of bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but people are buying into so much more than the product itself. It's really like what it represents and what it promises. Okay, it's time to take one last break and then we'll be right back. And we're back. I 
I'm looking at all this stuff where people are being sold and buying hydrocloxerine or whatever, however you say it. Um, the president himself saying that he takes it, which is insane. Um, oh my God. So like, how does, let's say like, you're talking about beauty influencers, but like, how does, how do then brands jump on like the president saying he takes it, you know? Or like, so the first thing that comes to mind when we're talking about like Trump and wellness products um, yeah. is just like the fact that Trump has been the most vocal MLM supporting politician of our entire time. Like, if Trump thinks that he can profit either politically or especially monetarily from something, then he's going to promote it. And then, of course, in these trying times, brands are desperate for promotion and exposure. And if they can capitalize on Donald Trump saying something about some product, then they're going to manipulate a way to make it relevant to whatever they're doing, just like these wellness influencers who are saying, like, we're in a time when our immune systems are suffering by my fitness tea. I mean, we used to do that, too, at the beauty magazine where I would work. If Kendall Jenner used um, a fucking Tresemme beach spray in her hair, we would link 18 million similar beach sprays and be like, buy this, even though it's totally irrelevant to what Kendall mm -hmm. Jenner was doing. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's it's how it's how the industry works. And unfortunately, yeah, with so much lack of regulation in the wellness space, um, it's something that brands can can really get away with. So what should people look out for in terms of companies trying to capitalize on their vulnerability right now? Yeah. I think, oh, I just want to make one more point, too. Oh, please. About, about the masks that we're all wearing. Please. Um, yeah, because masks have become like a piece of silent language, I think, um, these days. And it's, it's become a, a piece of silent language that's like deeply politicized and become, you know, sort of a symbol, not even of you caring about your health or not caring about your health, but where you're politics fall. Mm -hmm. So like even if someone on the far right wants to protect themselves from contracting this deadly disease that we're all battling called COVID-19, if they go in public with a medical mask on, they are sending a political statement that they align with the left. Because as insane as it is that this disease has been politicized, it has. And, you know, they're, oh my God, I don't know if you saw those images of people protesting the lockdowns and things um, and mm -hmm. the people on the right co-opting the my body, my choice um, oh, I'm slogan. Deeply, I'm deeply in looking yeah. at that stuff. Deeply. I mean, the, the logic there is really, really missing because the the my body, my choice line doesn't even apply because this decision not to wear a mask is not affecting just your body. It's right. affecting the bodies of every single person that you encounter. Um, that my body, my choice phrase when invoked in that context is um, something that cult scholars call a thought terminating cliche. It's um, a, a piece of language that's intended to 
halt further analysis or prevent um, an argument from logically moving forward or to sort of end cognitive dissonance or that uncomfortable feeling when you have two conflicting ideas mm-hmm, in your mm-hmm. head at the same time. So um, things like and, – and thought-terminating cliches are used across the political spectrum and they're definitely used in the wellness space. So, um, you know, I was talking to someone who used to work for Lululemon, which is – used to be an extremely culty brand. And at Lululemon, when you would say something or do something that didn't align with the founder's values, they, or if you would try to argue, um, they would say, well, that's just your story as a (laughs) sort of, as a way to like, as a sort of like woo woo new agey way to halt the logic or the argument from moving forward. A lot of people on, you know, the political left will use like the word karma will sort of like weaponize the word karma in a way mm-hmm. that it's not supposed to be used and that my body, my choice used by the right that just reminds me of all of that. Um, but sorry, I was just going to address your actual question, um, which was like, what can people look for? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you're if you're looking to engage in self-care and wellness and looking to take your your health into your own hands, which like we should all be empowered to do, um, especially now um, when resources from the mainstream medical establishment are limited, I would say, you know, do a little bit more research, you know, take that take that pause, engage your system to thought process and look into whether or not the brand, whether it's a supplement brand or whatever it is is affiliated with a you know a, an accredited doctor because that will show that you know they have consulted with this doctor who has you know gone to school who's been trained in ethics mm-hmm. and like that's something that's not stressed enough because like a wellness brand the the employees of a wellness brand are not inherently going to be trained in ethics but a, a doctor will have been and you know it's against their code to like promote quackery mm-hmm. so at least you can you can look into if the brand is affiliated with a doctor if the brand is super transparent about their ingredients, if they have, you know, conducted peer-reviewed clinical studies um, about the product, um, and you can cross-reference and see, you know, that you can't you can't always trust a brand or a publication like the one that I was working mm-hmm. for. Um, it's like, oh, well, this this product was promoted by Allure and the New York Times and you know, Goop. It's like that always can't be trusted because these publications are promoting hype as much as they are promoting, you know, legitimate products. So I would say like, you know, really look into the ingredients, you know, take the take the time to to read sort of a a dry, at least the abstract of a peer reviewed article about these products. And then maybe like call up a doctor that you know, a doctor in the family. My parents are biologists and I really trust them um, when it comes to whether something is pure quackery or not, they're mm-hmm. extremely level-headed. Um, and, you know, that's that's self-care to me. I'm not going into a doctor's office, but I am talking to people that I trust around me and doing my due, due diligence to to look into um, the ingredients of a product to see whether or not I, I want to use it. Um, and then, you know, trying to depoliticize some of these products um, just so that we're making sure that we're using them for legitimate um not like politics is not legitimate but you know if you're leaving the house uh, to go to the grocery store and you're wearing this like flouncy cute mask that your roommate made you but it's not actually protecting you that was my that was my last thing i wanted to talk about the mask so 
the selling of the masks, the the whole the capitalistic uh, thing going on with masks and like companies pivoting. Like I follow a lot of fashion brands pivoting yeah. to make masks now, right. even though they don't have um, the qualification. So, like, can you talk about that a little? Like, how quickly it shifted to like the language of like we're making and selling masks now. Hundred percent. So, like, Kim Kardashian just did it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Companies are pivoting. I mean, I bought some cloth masks. I have some medical masks that like my parents had forever, but I did buy some cloth masks because, um, well, first of all, I bought them from a brand where every single proceed was going Mm -hmm. to, you know, help those in need. And I thought that like that was that was an important um, point. So they're not profiting off of it. But yeah, I mean, it's exactly everything we're saying is like brands are desperate in these trying times and any way that they can scrounge up a little bit of not even just money, but relevance. Like they're trying to seem quote unquote woke, politically correct, trying to stay on our Instagram feeds, trying to stay in the cultural zeitgeist in the milieu of like what everybody is talking about. Um, but it it is tricky because a lot of these masks are not like epi epidemiologically helping Mm -hmm. us when we go into a grocery store. I am completely complicit in wearing these cloth masks as a political statement because I know that like when I go on a walk around my neighborhood and I might encounter one person or two people on that walk and we're a full like 20 feet away from each other, I know that if I was not wearing a mask in that moment, it would be okay because like we're I'm not near enough to them mm-hmm. for it to matter. However, I am going to put on that mask to communicate to them like I am an ally. Mm-hmm. I care, you know, I am an ally to your body. Like yeah. I am respecting you with this statement. Is this cloth mask with the little insert if if you know, you or I realistically contract it and I've been quarantining like nobody's business by the way, but like if if either one of us had this disease, like, would this be the most medically sound thing in the world? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to even know what to do because the messaging is so conflicted. It's like, we, we aren't supposed to wear medical masks because then we're taking away resources from the hospitals. But if you don't wear a medically sound mask, then what are you doing? You're being reckless. You're not actually protecting yourself. But like, if you don't wear a mask at all, then you're uh, then you're you know low key aligning yourself with the political right. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's a stressful time, and we're all just trying to like navigate it the best we can. But yeah, hundred percent. I mean, when I go outside, take a walk around my neighborhood, wearing my my cloth mask, it is mostly just as a sign of respect to other people yeah. that I care. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like so fascinated by. Uh, People like their mask is Louis Vuitton or like their ma- like it's like, you know, a black mask versus like I have a bunch of just plain black ones, but versus like friends who are like Chanel. <laughs> right. It kind of reminds me of like, I don't know if you ever went to school where you had to wear a uniform. Uh, yes, when- I did. Yeah. Oh, the Tiffany bracelet. <laughs> right. Oh, that my God. Was- yes. So you wear a uniform, but then if your parents are wealthy, you have a Tiffany bracelet. Totally. Um. Yeah, you're just like, this is the new uniform. The mask is the new uniform, and you're trying to, like, customize it in any way that you can. And, of course, you know, we'll probably – listen. look, in, like, three months, we'll probably have, like, the goths 
like the scene yeah. kids who walk around wearing their like My Chemical Romance mask. We'll have like band t-shirt masks. And then you have like the bougie kids with the Gucci masks. I mean, like leave it to American culture to never fail in making everything like a capitalist, just extra as hell maximalist thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Talk to you later. Yeah, bye. Bye. So two things are happening. One, we're relying on products we're being sold as a way to express ourselves politically. So uh, masks, for example. And we're also very scared and feeling very out of control. And so we're extra special at risk for companies that are trying to sell us our health or immunity or any kind of control over uh, whether or not we get sick with coronavirus. So I wanted you guys to hear this because I think it's really insidious the way a lot of language is changing. I think um, a lot of companies that are otherwise very unethical are sort of co-opting this language to make us feel like if we buy their products or if we, um, you know, in our infinite boredom now, uh, want to entertain ourselves by throwing money at something uh it's actually not a company that cares about you it's actually not a company that cares about the world they don't care about people with coronavirus they don't care about the pandemic they just care about capitalism and making sure they can continue to sell you stuff even when the events or outings or things that you would normally be doing with those products are no longer happening um that being said i understand why people are buying more makeup in quarantine. Um, we're bored. And that is relatively harmless. But what we cannot allow ourselves to be sold on is the sort of mythic and often very harmful product that will keep us and our family completely safe from COVID. And I want all of you to put away, banish the idea that those who have passed away or those who are getting sick somehow did something wrong, did not buy the right thing. All these sort of victim blamey things that I see happening that perfectly coincide with all these products telling you that if you just get them, you will be able to prevent getting sick. You see how that works? If you if you don't buy these things, you will get sick. If someone dies, it's just because they didn't buy these things. Capitalism. Thank you for listening. And by the way, how are you doing? Yes, all you dear listeners, how are you doing? Please um, write into the show, gabbyisbadwithmoney at gmail.com. Let us know what you're up to and how, how things are going for you. Um, let me know any topics you want me to cover. I, I feel particularly lucky um, that people are listening to me right now. And I, I feel like, I feel grateful that I have this job that allows me to talk to you guys and that allows me to shine a light on people that I think are much smarter than me. Make sure you're subscribed to Bad With Money on Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. This show is produced by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our audio engineers, Brendan Burns, and our audio is mixed by Andy Christens. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Josephine Martirana. Original music is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Bad With Money is a production of Stitcher. I'm Gabby Dunn. <sighs> and optimistically, you see that? Because we talked about optimism. I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>